The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Bobby Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And it doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. Glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. I see. Uh Uh-huh. Tell me more. That must be so frustrating. Can you go with that? Is that a reflection upon whom you are? One option, but there is another. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just, uh, I've I'm, I'm spilled over. I was uh, doing some early show prep, deciding uh, <clears throat> how to ready myself for the calls. Uh, those are stretches, basically. Those are lip stretches. Uh, and you don't want to pull a muscle doing a whole hour's worth of uh, speaking. But I should probably listen more. You know, but uh, I'll get around to it. I'm working on it. This is The Doctor Is In. I am Dr. Ray Garendi, the doctor who is in. Not a real doctor. I can't give shots, as my son Andrew, when he was six years old, said, Dad, why do they call you a doctor? You're not a real doctor. I wrote him out of the will, even when he was six. Well, I haven't told him yet. He's 36. I haven't told him that yet. It's just that one line. Good to have you with me. Uh, number. 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call to get onto the program. Uh, let me see here. I just got a text from my son um, who says, are you on the air? Uh-huh. My son is 26 years old. I've been on the air since he was six at this time. But, you know, hey, it might take him a little while to realize, uh, you know, the dad does get on the air between one and two most of the time. All right. So the number, 877-573-7825, 877-57-EQUAL, if you would like to get onto the program for four reasons. One, personal circumstance or situation. Two, to help someone else with their personal circumstance or situation. Three, to ask a generic question about something you don't understand in psychology. Feel a little more adept at that than perhaps religious apologetics catechetical questions, although in my eight-year struggle to return to the Catholic Church, I did a lot of reading, a lot of searching for answers, so I do feel reasonably confident to share with you at least what I came across from really smart people and the new aspect of the program, which is if you have a good idea, a good insight, a good thought, a good technique, a good idea, 
on raising kids or getting along with people or living your faith better, you can call too. Because we've been getting some of those, and uh, just I just welcome your thoughts and insights. 877-57 equal is the number. Now, let me find what Andrew Kruchek sent me, because I wanted to, there it is, humility fodder, he called it. This is from Mother Teresa, St. Mother Teresa. was in the National Catholic Registers, and she offers... 15 ideas about how to be more humble. And seeing as how I have become an expert in breathing humility, um, most of these I've I pretty much put into practice because having won the Humility Award multiple times. This is a good one. This is really, really a good one. Speak as little as possible about yourself. My son asked me one time, he was 17 years old, he says, Dad, if I go on a date with a girl, what what do I need to do to, to have her like being around me? I said, John, that's pretty straightforward. Ask her all about herself. Don't get caught up in telling her who you are. Immerse yourself in her. What does she what does she do? What are her interests? Was she planning on going to school? Talk about her family. Just just ask questions. That's easy enough to do so that she sees you are interested in her. Do you ever have somebody that you've met for the first time and you come away with an enormously positive impression of them and you can't really put your finger on why they seem so immediately likable and then you realized, oh, for heaven's sake, they were interested and kept the conversation focused on me now i know that doesn't that doesn't appeal to a good side of us when somebody does that but nevertheless if you show interest in another person that's a very not only is it humble but i think it's a very personally appealing thing to do um let's see what else we have uh do not dwell on the faults of others well, there's one thing that you deal with in psychology, which is very difficult, and it's called gaining insight. We don't look at ourselves well. We look at other people very well. Those of you who are raising children, you notice that these children know ever so well when somebody else is doing something wrong. Mom, do you see what he's doing? Are you supposed to do that? Mom, mom, that's not right, is it? So they can home in, not hone in, home in on the faults of others. And it happens very young, does it not? What is it so instinctive about doing that? Our Lord talked about it, right? The log, the log. This is an interesting one. Do not seek to be admired and loved. Whoa. Well, aren't you supposed to? Maybe not admired, but loved. Aren't you supposed to seek to be loved? Well, to expand upon that, hope Mother Teresa forgives me. If your focus is to be loved, then you're going to get misdirected. You're going to do things that 
may not be totally honest. You're going to curry favor. You may offer fulsome flattery, fulsome meaning excessive flattery. If you simply act well because acting well is the good thing to do, then there will be those people who will love you because of that, but there will also be those people who don't love you because of that. (laughs) Mother Teresa says, give in in discussions even when you are right. Now, what does that mean? I think she's saying give in before it becomes a conflict. If you know you're right and you want to dig in your heels and you want to prove yourself right and the other person's not budging either, you got to know when to let go as the little animal in the tree in a commercial a long time ago said, let it go, Louie. Yeah, Mother Teresa says, just give in. Now, obviously, if it's a moral issue, you don't give in to keep the peace. At the same time, If it's an opinionated issue, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, political, or even in some respects religious, don't give in when somebody's saying they don't like this program and you're saying you do. Now, don't give in there. That that's I think that's one area you don't you don't give in along with other moral issues, Um, but just to be considerate than that. Uh, Let's see where she's got uh, some. She's got fifteen here. Um, but I just kind of picked the ones that I think do not interfere in the affairs of others. But we have a hard time with that. There is very much somehow wired within us that says, I have to step into and give you guidance and to correct you on the way you're doing things. That's very hard to resist for many of us. Part of it is the moral guilt we feel, which is, oh, I'm, I'm obliged, I, I'm, I'm obligated, I've, I've got to correct people. I don't want to let them continue in their sin. Well, the problem, of course, with that is that if they don't see it as a sin, if they don't adhere to the same system of beliefs that you have, that you believe are God-given, and they don't, That's an issue. That's a problem. Or if it's real clear that they don't want to hear it from history or from previous attempts, then you got to let it go. You can't change somebody if they don't want to be changed. There is no magic formula to say, oh, this will work. This is something I haven't tried. I'll keep trying this. I see that with parents of adult children. Oh, my, they keep coming at it from different angles all over the place, hoping that the one angle is going to work. And all that happens is that they are viewed as interfering, intrusive in the affairs of the way these young adults want to run things. You may know they're wrong, and you may know that they're they're going to lead to some kind of sadness or self-defeat, but they don't want to hear that. Dr. Ray, you're a psychologist. You should know how to reach people. Uh, It's because I am a psychologist that I am probably quicker than you in getting a read on when to stop trying to convince somebody. So those are just a few of Mother Teresa's, and I'm, I'm going to implement all of those because this may be hard to believe, but I am not 
uh, this year's favorite. In the past, I've been the favorite to win. Two to one odds, uh, favorite to win the Humility Award. I am not. Uh, I'm in the top three in humility. Um, the other two I don't think are all that humble. I really don't. But I can work with them. So uh, we'll see what happens here. 877-573-7825. 877-57-equal is the number. It's Dr. Ray. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. And we need to pray for all our world leaders and all those who are in such danger. See, in a day and age where people are getting further away from God, you get further away from goodness. Only God is good. You remember what our Lord said one day? Why do you call me good? He said, only God is good. Only God. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Thanks for joining me, Dr. Ray Garendi here. The program, The Doctor is In. Let's uh, load up the phone lines. Do my best to get to everybody. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call to get onto the program. And I, I'm uneasy at continuing this, but it is so important to have a nice, healthy-sized audience in Billings, Montana on September 25th and 26th. Bring it in the TV show to do two shows both nights. I think the show times are 5.15 and 7.30 or thereabouts or 5.30 and 7.15. It's on the website, billingscatholicradio.com. If you'd like to sign up to be in the audience, we'd love to have you. The bigger the audience, the better because the audience takes part. Audience is a, an integral part of Living Right with Dr. Ray now taping its 13th season. I was younger then. My kids look at that and go, Dad, is that you or is that your son? I go, yeah, thanks, guys. All righty. Let's go to Remy. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Talking about neurodivergence. 
Hey, Remy, how are you? I'm doing wonderful, Dr. Ray. How are you doing? Okay, it's one of those terms that can be, uh, well, I can smell what you're saying because you're saying is, is this word can really be used as, well, it can be misused, let's put it that way. So tell me what your question is here, Remy. What are you thinking about this? Sure. It just it seems like a new catch-all label, and it's one of those things that if you don't get out ahead of it by knowing what it means, and you know people can just start misusing it and throwing it around, and I, you know it, it it seems like this could you know penetrate the workplace, schools, anything like that. It, it seems to cover you know uh, I'm somebody that was diagnosed with ADHD at a young age, and that kind of falls under this umbrella, but it also stretches as far as you know dyslexia, autism spectrum disorders. And it comes from this proposed framework idea of neurodiversity. And it just, it seems like another catch-all phrase. I was just, I wanted to get your opinion on it, if it was something that, you know, we should be worried about and push back if we ever encounter it. I think if it's used to describe certain obviously different ways that the brain functions, for example, kids on the autistic spectrum, or kids diagnosed ADHD, or kids diagnosed with some type of learning problem. You could make the case that, and I think that, I think this is legit, you could make the case that the brain structure, something about the incredible complexity of how the neurons all interact together in the brain, are different than, quote-unquote, the norm, whatever that might be defined as. The danger I see in this is that it can become a reason for all kinds of behavior that that may hurt the individual. Let's say, for example, I'm diagnosed uh, as on the autistic spectrum. And because of that, I have certain social behaviors that are aggressive, or unpleasant, or in some way put-offish. Well, if I say, well, you know, not my fault. I'm neurodivergent. That's dangerous. I think that's very dangerous. The other thing is this. We, we, we do not have the technology to say, oh, there it is. That's the part of the person's neurology that isn't working quite right. We, we don't quite have that technology. We can't pinpoint it like that. So what we do is we have to conclude neurodivergence on the basis of identified patterns, conduct, abilities, that kind of thing. So you're right. It is an umbrella term. It takes in learning problems, takes in ADHD, it takes in autistic spectrum disorder, and it it probably will take in some kind of developmental disabilities not otherwise specified. Um, I think what happened was I, there was a movie out. Do you remember the movie? A woman named was Judy. I think her name was Judy Singer. It, she's she's a professor now, but she was diagnosed with autism, and she has some tremendous abilities, some tremendous intellectual type of abilities. And she said that that it wasn't so much a disability as a neurodivergence, as her brain doesn't work like the typical human brain. 
And that's probably true. It doesn't. There's a lot of ways that the, 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 her brain is divergent, different. So you're right. Um, I think part of it, too, is that we are moving toward everything, everything can be neurologically explained. So that if I punch you in the face, it's not so much a matter of I had a free will action to be aggressive. It's a matter of what was it within my brain that triggered me punching you in the face. And I think that's where a lot of people are headed. And it's it's part of reducing moral responsibility. I, I see that happening. I'm not sure neurodivergence is that, but I think it it could be misused as that. There, that's my primer. How's that? that that's perfect, Doctor. I think you're well named. You're uh, you're a ray of hope in a dark world. So thank you. I appreciate that. All right, my friend. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you know, it, 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 calls like that help me too because there's so much out there. I mean, it's it's, it's a fire hose of information, of terms, of approaches. I mean, there's no limit to it. And it's always evolving, constantly evolving. The stuff that I learned in grad school is no longer even appropriate, no longer even practiced by most. The diagnoses are long gone that we had to know in grad school. So it's an ever-evolving understanding of the human condition and to keep up with it is just, just tough. All right. Okie dokie. Boy, all kinds of stuff out there. Uh, okay, I'd like to hear that. Uh, Kimberly from Texas is a behavioral therapist, and she works with uh, with kids on all different parts of the autistic spectrum. Uh, and she is saying, Dr. Ray, you're, you're touching upon something. I ran into this, Kimberly, when I worked in the special education classes uh, in the in the in Columbiana County. Hi, Kimberly. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm fine. So you're basically saying that what's happening here is that the identified developmental problem, notice I didn't say disability, the identified developmental problem can be used as as an far-reaching justification for all kinds of social misconduct. Yes, like it seems like bad behaviors are accepted and pushed to the side or ignored because of the children are on the spectrum or even adults, um, because I've worked with adults as well. Kimberly, I see a lot of that. I most recently talked to a young woman who works in an, I don't know if it's inpatient, I think it's a, a day treatment program with a lot of behavior problem kids. And she's been punched, she's been kicked, she's been spit upon, she's been attacked, and she's been told this is part of their handicap, and you can't do anything about it. You just have to defend yourself, try not to get hurt, and accept that this is the expression of their handicap. I ran into that, Kimberly, when I was uh, working in the SBH classes, the Severe Behavior Handicap classes. Uh, there were about 10 of them that I consulted to. And one of the things was we couldn't remove any kid from a class because his quote-unquote handicap was his behavior. 
And because of that, we couldn't suspend him. And we were stuck. I mean, we, well, my, other, my understanding, sorry to cut you off, is, is um, I believe that the, because I was told you can't tell the kids no, because uh-huh. I've come into a situation where um, I was working with a child and he wasn't uh, wanting to engage with me. So I was engaging with his sister and I guess he got upset and he went over and he started hitting and pulling her hair. And I told him, you know, my natural reaction was like, no, and to get him to stop. But I was told, no, you're supposed to block him to get him to stop. And I was like, well, if I would have seen him coming and and doing that action before he did it, obviously I would have like blocked him. But, you know, it's just my automatic reaction. Stay there, Kimberly. I'll be right back. Today, many U.S. citizens chafe under big government and have actually turned anti-government. St. Paul, however, teaches that in some way, the civic authorities are ministers of God. Even King Jesus didn't consider it unjust to give taxes to Caesar. But we must never let Caesar or the king, the prime minister, uh, stand in the place of God and control our conscience. When ancient Israel demanded that Samuel give them a human king, Samuel warned them, that he's going to bring heavy taxes, he's going to bring a military draft, he's going to favor the rich. And when Jesus, the true king, actually arrives, he dies for his people, because that's what a true king is willing to do. King Jesus, still on the throne, no matter what presidents, dictators, or earthly rulers do. And we have to remember, we get our marching orders from him. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. How important was unity to Jesus Christ? Very, according to the Catholic Catechism. He bestowed unity on his church at the outset. It is something the church can never lose, but with prayer and work, she can improve. This is why, the Catholic Catechism says, Jesus himself prayed at the hour of his passion and continues praying, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, may they also be one in us. The Catechism further states, The desire to recover the unity of all Christians is a gift of Christ and a call of the Holy Spirit. The Catechism says there are certain things required in order to respond adequately to this call. A permanent renewal of the church, conversion of the heart, prayer in common, fraternal knowledge of each other, ecumenical formation, dialogue among theologians and Christians, collaboration in good works. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. I basic, well, not not the only reason, but one of the reasons I left as a consultant to the Severe Behavior Handicap programs scattered throughout the school districts in Columbiana County, one of the reasons I left is because we simply were not allowed to do things that would be considered very appropriate by most level-headed people that would be considered traditionally workable. No, we were we were in so many ways. I remember one time I, I had to remove a kid from a room because he was just carrying on like a crazy man. 
I had to remove him. And of course, he threatened to tell his mother, and he threatened to say that we're gonna we're gonna go after you legally. And I thought, you know, I don't need this. I do not need this. And that was probably very close to the end where I said I'm heading in a different direction. Kimberly, you still there? Yes, yes. The the thing is, what I I realize that people are so scared for some legal ramifications, but like I even brought up. Like, I have three kids, and I was like, well, don't you have, like, time out? It worked with my children. These these children, like, a lot of people's misunder- misunderstanding is that these children are delayed and they're not very smart, but they are very intellectually, like, uh, able and capacity, um, ably to, like, understand, but it's just I see that it's what's allowed and i know the parents get really frustrated and up like of course they're they're trying to do they're trying to do the enlightened way to deal with these kids and if if there is if i want to use the word handicap if there is a neurological handicap pretty soon their antisocial or aggressive or violent behavior becomes their main handicap kimberly ask them simply this question when somebody says oh sorry sorry to interrupt you unfortunately i noticed like these kids i think they pick up uh, a lot of the negative they know the rules they know the rules uh, other children that may react towards them because they act differently and so these kids uh pick up these behaviors and then their parents uh, kind of disregard it as their like supposed disability or their ailment, and then it starts being accepted, but not like this is cruel. Like if they were a normal Kimberly, time. I have said this. I'm going to let you go with, after these two comments. I have said this. In being kind, we are cruel to these kids. We are allowing them to do things that the average human being would not like them for. The average human being would not say, well, I understand that he has that that problem uh, on the autistic spectrum, so therefore when he's throwing things at me, you know, I must accept that. The average human being does not do that. That is not reality. The other thing I say to people is this. Well, you know, I don't, I don't think, he may be 12, but... But really, his developmental level, if you, if you put a gross number on it, it's about seven. And I just simply ask them, would you discipline a seven-year-old? That's one of the biggest yeah. pieces of nonsense that I've heard. He doesn't understand. Well, wait a minute. We start disciplining two-year-olds, so we're not going to discipline a 14-year-old who functions at an 11-year-old level because he's somehow three years behind in understanding? I know, Kimberly. It, I, I, I will say this. I've seen so many people doing what you do that quit. They quit because they simply cannot function properly for the help of the kids in those situations. And I just saw a recent survey, 55% of teachers would like to get out of the profession. And it isn't because they're not allowed to teach. It's because there is so much nonsense that they have to follow in the classroom that they have no authority. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you for the call, my dear. i got to run. Aaron from Hastings, Michigan. I hope this isn't you, Aaron. Aaron? Yeah? There you go. Hey, I hope this isn't you that's uh, tempted to leave, is it? 
Yeah, unfortunately it is. Okay. So um, what what's the reason? I well, I know for me, I I tend to go a lot on feelings. I am on the spectrum, but I'm I'm not using that as a crutch or nothing. Um but yeah, I was actually over helping uh Protestant church that that was actually just helping them clean the clean the church. And I went there for a while. And I don't know if it was the memories of the church there or what. But I do know the truth. And I'm just... And I don't want to leave. It's just I'm really struggling with it. Well, I left for eight years. And what I found was that a lot of non-Catholic churches are very welcoming. They're very socially warm. They have a lot of programs. Uh, They attempt to incorporate people into the congregation. So that's very, very appealing to them. The question for me, Aaron, was, I want to know the full truth. Did Jesus mean to establish the Catholic Church? How do we determine that? Now, there's a lot of ways that I went through it. I looked at what the early church believed, first three centuries. And they were very, very Catholic-smelling, okay? So they, they, they believed much of what the Catholic Church teaches. Secondly, um, if the Eucharist is true... If, in fact, it is the body and blood of Christ, then the Catholic Church has that. That's another form of truth. For me, when I was in the Protestant world, I got to admit, I had a little more fun with some of the, some of the people there. I did. On the other hand, being in the Catholic world, um, there, there is much that I can do to immerse myself in my parish. The Catholic churches are realizing that it is, it is something that we need to incorporate, get people feeling more welcome, that they don't just come to Mass and then split after that and see how quickly they can get out of the parking lot. So you're right, Aaron. Your temptation sounds to me like is they were very welcoming. They were warm. They were sociable. I felt at home there. Yes, that and I don't I'm not going to doubt that for a moment. That's not what you make the decision on. You make the decision upon the truth. Either the Catholic Church was established by Christ and history gives a very powerful evidence for that. Or it wasn't. And if it wasn't, which many almost all non-Catholic Christians would say it wasn't, then it doesn't really matter where you go. Pick a church you like, because they so many of them believe all different things. Um, so given that, my friend, I guess what I'm saying to you, don't base this upon feelings of being welcome, because the truth matters more, and also, if you work at it, you can feel pretty welcome in a parish, too. Dr. Ray.
60 on 10 with Monsignor Charles Pope. The third commandment, remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. You know, of all the commandments, it might seem that we would get this one right. After all, it commands us to rest one day. But so often we're off to our own pursuits. God asks us to take one day to stop, reflect, rejoice, spend time with Him and with our family. But so often we're running everywhere else. It's also a day for worship. The book of Leviticus says, Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest and holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is the Sabbath of the Lord. And the book of Hebrews says that we should not neglect to meet together, as is a habit of some. And so again, we're asked by God to spend time reflecting and worshiping, and likewise spend time with our family. The third commandment, remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. For more about the Ten Commandments, visit EWTNRC.com. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. Suffering in the world, personal suffering. One of the biggest things that keeps people from really giving themselves over to the Lord or joining an organized religion. Suffering doesn't seem to make sense. Why do children suffer? Why are there wars? Why is there persecution? Why are some people poor, others rich? Why is there such an imbalance? And on and on and on. A loving God wouldn't do that. Well, God doesn't do that. First of all, we did it to ourselves because in the beginning, right, we chose incorrectly. And then sin came into the world. It was not supposed to be like this, but God gives us free will. He does not want to force himself on us because otherwise we would be puppets. But how many of us can look back and forget what came out of a particular hard time? You don't learn really good, strong lessons when everything is going great. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. A lot of great questions up there, and I'm struggling with which direction to go first. Please don't leave me. Greg from Pennsylvania he has a kind of a related question to, in, in a tangential way, to the neurodiversity question. Hi, Greg. Hey, Doctor. How are you? Okay, sir. Hello? Yes, sir. You're on. I'm oh, waiting for I'm waiting for you to summarize. Okay, here we go. Sorry about that. So yeah, my my uh, well, that's a question, but uh, comment, maybe thought process. Um, so I know a lot of a lot of people nowadays are talking about how well you have your truth and I have mine. This is what you believe, but this is what I believe. All this and that and everything. And it, and I thought maybe perchance maybe it was such a way with the with religion, the fact that, okay, so you have the Roman Catholic Church, the first church, but then also you have offshoots of that, which, you know, the Protestant uh, faith, then the uh, Baptist and the Methodists and what that, and they all have different beliefs within the scope of the Catholic Church, but there's is a little different than what the Catholic Church believes. So isn't that kind of like what what's going on nowadays, per se? I wouldn't say that that is the cause of you have your truth, I have my truth, my opinion is as good as your opinion. I would say that that's that's one of the reasons, at least for me personally, and I know a lot of other people 
who have left the Protestant world because what what do you believe? And you're right. Where, where I was, we said you have to read Scripture, and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you come to truth. But what was happening was we all were coming to different truths uh, on some big things. Some believed abortion was okay. Some didn't. Some some believed that you could lose your salvation. Others didn't. So, yeah, there were some pretty big differences there, all on the basis of I have my truth, you have your truth. My truth is guided by the Holy Spirit. Yours must not be because you disagree with me. So that is a problem. That's That's a huge problem. In the Catholic Church, people say, ah, the Catholics disagree just as much, uh, with a big difference. If the Catholic is going to disagree with the Church, there is that core of beliefs and morals that the Church teaches as handed on from Christ over the centuries. If you disagree with that, then you're disagreeing with that. You're not disagreeing with somebody else. You're not saying, well, you know, my... uh, the priest told me at, uh, at at my parish that we could contracept. Well, the church doesn't teach that, so therefore, uh, that may be what the church is saying. But he's he's diverging from what the church teaches. In in Protestantism, where I was now again, this is not a slam on many faith-filled Protestants who love the Lord. This is not the slam. This is the struggle. Right. And the struggle is, where I was, when I asked, for example, the pastor's wife in our Bible study at the Evangelical Church where I was, I said, is sanctity of life a basic belief of Christianity? She said, of course it is. I said, well then, are you willing to say that much of the Protestant world doesn't believe that truth? Because they believe that a woman has that choice. Uh-huh. Are you are you ready to say that they're wrong and they're not Christian? What what where does that take you? So yeah, that you're right. That that's a problem. That is a that is a big problem, which is who says what the truth is. Right. I have a I have a I have a dear friend who says, You'll know the truth. You go to the Bible. That's all. You just go to the Bible. And I say, Well, but the Bible is the source of the interpretations that is creating all these you have your truth, I have my truth within the Protestant world. How do you get around that? Okay, Greg. Hey, thank you. Appreciate that, sir. Appreciate that. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, uh, let's go to Nancy from Coolidge, Georgia. I imagine it's named after Calvin. Uh Calvin Cool, his story behind him was he was a very taciturn guy. He didn't speak much. That's why he couldn't do a radio show like this. And uh, supposedly somebody went up to him after a speech or something, reporter, and said, I have a bet that I can get you to say more than two words. And Coolidge allegedly said, if this isn't true, it's a great story. He allegedly said, you lose. <laughs> Hello, Nancy. Hi. Thank you for taking my call, Dr. Ray. Sure. I know <laughs> I gave um, I gave the operator an awful time, I'm sure, trying to explain 
But um, my youngest son uh, has been incarcerated, and they lived several states away from us. Um, and now my daughter has uh, guardianship over the three children, 17, 14, and 13. The 17-year-old and the 14-year-old at one time were altar servers when I lived with them. Now, um, the 17-year-old no longer believes in God. The 14-year-old has started going to church with my son-in-law, who is not Catholic, but at least she's getting something. The 13-year-old had a brain tumor removed when he was three years old. And, of course, there's subsequent problems from that. He has, I guess he's somewhere under that umbrella you spoke about earlier. He's been in uh, special ed all his life. Uh, he repeated kindergarten. They thought that would help, but it, it really didn't. But so they've put him, they've had him in special ed. He's Nancy, let me rush you along here, dear. Let me rush you along. I'm, so, so I'm what sorry. is your, what is your question about this 13 year old young man? My daughter raised her one and only child and it was newly remarried. And now she's taking care of me and I have health issues. And now she has these three children. And every time I try to help, I'm I'm just told no. I'll handle it. I'll handle it. And how many Nancy? How many times have you tried to help? And she she said I'll handle it. Maybe four or five times. Is that enough for you to say okay? I'll keep my opinions to myself. Yeah. Yeah. See, you're yeah. struggling with the fact that. Now, I thought your original question was that this 13-year-old who had the brain tumor at age 3 was using right. the the brain tumor history as a reason for a lot of his difficult or violent or nasty or uncooperative behavior. That's that's what yeah. our, our, our screamer had ra raised as your question. I can't comment on that because I don't know where the brain tumor was. I don't know what what it affected of his brain. I don't know what the neurologist said. Uh, my my guess would be that they probably would say that tumor was removed. Uh, as far as we can tell, there was minimal brain damage because of it and because of the excising of the tumor. So therefore, this young man, even though there are some developmental delays, even though there may be some learning problems, he's certainly capable of enough self-control to, to not act out like this and to be held accountable for it. The problem people run into is they, they will say that if there was, for example, a history of some kind of neurological insult, therefore the person is 100% incapable of self-control. In the vast majority of cases, that's not true. They may be less capable, but they still have the capability. And I would hope that your daughter 
comes to realize this, and I have many questions about how the 17-year-old has decided, I don't believe in God anymore, uh, and, and what she's done about that, how she's attempted to instruct him or give him material to read, because all too often, we grown-ups, when a teenage kid says, I don't believe this anymore, because they hear a bunch of nonsense from people who don't know what they're talking about, we don't give them good information. We don't say, you are required to look at this and read this if you'd like to have driving privileges or if you would like a smartphone. I have answers to your questions. We have plenty of scientific evidence that there is a God. So anyway, Nance, I got to run. Thank you for the call. This is Dr. Ray. I would always hear from uh, different people at non-Catholic churches that Catholics were going to hell or that they really didn't know who the Lord was. The Catholic Church is not all what people say it is. I mean, it's completely different. There's so many stereotypes. It's very possible to know the Lord and it's very possible to have a relationship with God in the Catholic Church. I believe I was born into the Catholic Church and that's where I belong. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Do you or your spouse snore but won't get help? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Many of us go to bed and can't get a good night's sleep because we have sleep apnea. Then we get excessive daytime sleepiness, fatigue, or concentration issues. Untreated, this can lead to heart failure, hypertension, and even diabetes. The first thing to do is go to a sleep doctor. The ultimate solution may be a CPAP machine. This machine provides positive pressure in our airways and alleviates the obstructive breathing issues associated with apnea. So many of us know this, but we still won't get the help we need. Here's one more reason to get your breathing fixed. A recent study indicates that the effects of sleep apnea may cause us to age the equivalent of 10 more years. Now make that appointment with a sleep doctor. For more, look for our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Judy from Alberta, Canada, has two young children. We're going to find out how young, who are engaging in sibling quibbling. Notice I didn't call it sibling rivalry. That sounds a little too psychologically engendering. Uh, Hi, Judy. Hi, Dr. Ray. Yeah, I was just wondering if you would be able to um, give me some skills. Wait a minute. uh, Judy, Judy. Yes, I don't. E- I don't even like the way you started that out. You, <laughs> you were wondering if well, I, I could. No, you can. Oh, that hurts. Some ideas to how to give them skills instead of I don't know what's going on in the back room when they're playing in the living room. So when they come running around the corner, he said, she said, he said, and it's exhausting. Don't you have security and, cameras? 
No. <laughs> well, that's what you got to have. Either that, you either a security camera or a seven-year-old daughter who will tell you every single thing that's going on that everybody is doing wrong. You don't well, have that either. The boy is seven, and the, the daughter is six. That They're the ones that are quibbling all well, the time. There you go. Well, I think your first first suggestion, you were, okay, wondering if I could give you any suggestions. Yeah. I'm going to dispel your puzzlement. Uh, first of all, you can't figure out who did what to whom, when, where, and how much. A stereophonic discord, give it up. Tell the children, both will get the exact same consequence. No questions mm-hmm. asked. If one of the children decides to plead their case over and above your attempt to say, go, you sit there, you sit there, then they get extra. Third thing, okay. you said, how do I give them techniques, right? How do I, I want them to solve this reasonably, right? Rationally. Yes, themselves, but they'll Fairly. come to me. Yes. That's right. Work it out yourself when you're six and seven years old. Well, <laughs> Judy, <laughs> I know a lot of adults who don't work it out themselves. Uh, What you need to do is to put boundaries on what they can do to work it out themselves. For example, there's no physical violence. Uh, Physical violence will be dealt with. That's That's one rule. Second... There is no nasty put downs. You you can't you can't torment a sibling. You can't put down a sibling. You can't name call a sibling. You'll be held accountable for that. If I don't know it and I don't hear it, and you come in and tattle on what they did, automatically both get the same. That's it. Automatic. What that'll do, Judy, is that will in essence put a ring like in big time wrestling. You can't wrestle outside the ring. So your rules will put the ropes around what they're not allowed to do. And when you're not allowed to do that other stuff, you really only have two options. One, you figure it out yourself. Or two, you don't interact at all. Now, most kids, six and seven, are still going to interact with each other. But what's what's happening is the natural sin nature of us is taking over. They're going to, quote-unquote, solve their problems in a wrong way. All right. Well, mom's going to say, no, no, no. You can solve your problems. But here's, here's the rules. Here's the limits. Don't go beyond these limits or I step in. And when I don't know, I, I, I'm not going to try to figure it out. I don't know. Because she'll come running in, Mom, Mom, you know what he did? And then he'll come running in two feet behind her and say, that's not what happened. Well, first of all, she came in, then that's crazy. Why do you want to deal with that? Yeah. You do, let me put it to you this way, Judy. The first five times that you say, okay, both of you, you sit there, you sit there. First five times you do that, you're going to cut that coming in there, running in there, by 80%. Okay. Now, I hope the next time you call here, you don't say, Ray, I was wondering. You say, Ray, I was confident. <laughs> Bless you, uh, Judy. What was that, Dr. Ray? What was the last part? I, I was confident. I was confident. That's it. <laughs> Bless you, Judy. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook.
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.